Hi, 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 everybody. Welcome to January the 29th. I can't believe we're almost through January. This is Amanda Barker speaking. This is Bill Antonio cutting her off. (laughs) And this is Born on This Day, the podcast that today celebrates everything to do with January the 29th. And what is that today, Amanda? Why? It's National Puzzle Day. Yay! I just called you Jim. (laughs) That's my name. It's a puzzle to figure out my name. We start with Jim and then move each letter around little by little. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> now, I'm I assume you mean puzzles as in games, not like he's a puzzle. Like, is Tom Cruise straight? That sort of thing. Like an enigma, yes. Right, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> that's quite a puzzle. Um, I uh, I hate puzzles. It's, <gasps> is, I'm just going to come clean. Sacrilege. No, I'm happiest. Them? I am happy. Like, put me on a train, give me a big book of Sudoku and crosswords, and I am the happiest person on the planet. It just, I cannot, it, I've never liked them. Apparently as a child, I would, I would cut the pieces to make them fit. Oh, wow. <laughs> you were, you were child of Satan. Yeah, I was. And, um, and, and I have to say, um, I don't know what it is about today, but I, I've said it a few times uh, to other people today, but I, my New England sensibility is such that I, to me, they are a waste of time and I don't get anything out of them because there's no end product other than the pieces. Um, that's a problem that I have. That's something I'm working through. I'm just gonna have to (laughs) breathe through this one, Amanda, and just agree to disagree. I just, uh, yeah, no, we were never, I mean, it was always like, if there's no product at the end, I don't know what the point is. And unfortunately, that's, that's kind of, which was just really stupid, because I have, I would, I would happily read five books on that train. I I'm constantly reading, so I don't I do know that what it too, is. But I love. A I know you're puzzle. you're an avid reader. You are. I I love you on Goodreads. By the way, I always like to check in and see what you're. Oh, to see all the um, uh, gay erotica that I'm constantly reading, and I'm not ashamed <laughs> to share with everyone. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, Judge I don't me. know. I don't care. Happen. I have needs in this pandemic. Maybe I'll um maybe I'll turn a corner and, and get into puzzles. And if I do, well today is the day to do it. And mm-hmm. remember, puzzles can be a lot of things. Um they can be word searches, they can be sudokus or brain teasers, um, trivia, which I sometimes enjoy a little bit, like mm-hmm. a trivia night at a mm-hmm. pub would be a really fun thing to do if ever I'm allowed to do it again. Um, But listen, January 29th is a very different kind of birthday personality. So happy birthday if that is you. You're actually very soft-spoken and you're very pleasant to be around. There's a charm in your humility. You are self-sufficient. You set realistic goals for yourself. Uh, and you're supportive. You're a supportive partner, but you tend to become irritated over small matters. Interesting. Well, I wonder who that's true of today, Amanda. Uh-huh. Uh, first up, Heather Graham made her debut in Deanne Curice's Mrs. Soffel when she was 14. She appeared on episodes of Growing Pains and the TV movie Student Exchange before getting her first major role in the comedy License to Drive, co-starring The Corries. The following year, she turned 18 and no longer needed her mother's approval to accept a role, making her first choice the Gus Van Sant classic drugstore cowboy. In 1997, she became a star with her acclaimed performance in Boogie Nights, which led to Lost in Space, the Austin Powers sequel, Bowfinger, and The Guru. More recently, she was on Get Shorty and in the film Desperados, and made her directorial debut with Half Magic in 2018. She was born on this day in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1970. 
Justin Hartley is best known for playing Kevin Pearson on the hit series This Is Us, which came after he appeared on the soap operas Passions, which we talk about a lot here, Mm -hmm. and The Young and the Restless, the show Smallville, and the series Revenge. He was born on this day in Knoxville, Illinois in 1977. He's a bit of a butterface, that one. Mm -hmm. I I know I'm terrible saying it, but like he has the nicest body and like the faces. There's something off about him. I don't know. <clears throat> and I guess I am in a position to be picky. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> the grand jury prize at the 1994 Sundance Film Festival went to the brothers McMullen, probably because it was the only movie that wasn't copying Tarantino at the festival that year. And uh, it launched the career of its star and director, Edward Burns, who quickly followed it with the studio directorial debut, She's the One. And he starred in Saving Private Ryan and Life or Something Like It with Angelina Jolie. He later appeared in A Sound of Thunder, 27 Dresses, played himself on Entourage, and starred as Bugsy Siegel on Mob City. As a director, he made Newlyweds, Summertime, and Beneath the Blue Suburban Skies. He was born on a stay in Woodside, New York in 1968. Tom Selleck's years on television in the 70s on episodes of Marcus Welby, MD, Mannix, and the Streets of San Francisco, plus appearances in the films Maya Breckenridge, Midway, and The Washington Affair, ballooned into superstardom, with his taking the lead role on the series Magnum P.I., for which he won an Emmy and a Golden Globe. Film stardom was quick to follow, and while he regrets turning down Raiders of the Lost Ark, gee, I wonder why, he did go on to appear in Runaway, Her Alibi, Quigley Down Under, and the smash hit comedy Three Men and a Baby. In the 90s, he was a regular guest on Friends and appeared in In and Out with Kevin Klein, later appearing on Las Vegas and starring on the series Blue Bloods. He was born on this day in Detroit, Michigan in 1945. I feel like Blue Bloods is another one of those uh i don't know if it's still on but one of those like new york oh for sure if you're in new york you're gonna be on it kind of thing i've never seen it but yeah i think it's on maybe it's on now Mm. blue bloods oh yeah he's the lead in it yeah i had a friend on it yeah that's right and i think that he turned i i I think he turned down raiders just because the magnum pi schedule wouldn't allow him Mm. to uh, do it i don't think i think it was a movie he wanted to do because when you think about the kind of movies that that movie is paying tribute to of like 1940s cliffhanger serials he looks even more like the kind of guy who would be in them than yeah that's harrison ford does yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent it's a shame but it made harrison ford so who cares yeah John Forsyth performed in radio dramas and on Broadway before signing a contract with Warner Brothers, appearing in the film Destination Tokyo. His career was interrupted by the war and he enlisted in the Air Corps. After being discharged, he helped found the actor's studio. He appeared in The Trouble with Harry and The Ambassador's Daughter and found his most success in his later years as distinguished fatherly types. On the series Bachelor Father, in the film Marooned, and most famously as the voice of Charles Townsend on Charlie's Angels, and as Blake Carrington on nine seasons of Dynasty, my favorite childhood show, in case you want to know everything about me. His last films were the two feature versions of Charlie's Angels, in which he once again voiced his signature role, after which he retired until his death in 2010 at the age of 92. Winner of two Golden Globes, he was born Jacob Linden Freund on this day in Pensgrove, New Jersey in 1918. 
The daughter of a reporter for the Associated Press, Catherine Ross, worked on television for a decade before making her film debut in Shenandoah, then two years later had her career-defining role as Elaine Robinson in the mega-hit countercultural film The Graduate, for which she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Roles followed in Bush Cassidy and The Sundance Kid, The Stepford Wives, The Voyage of the Damned, for which she won a Golden Globe, and The Swarm. She later appeared on two seasons of The Colbys, and last year was on the film The Attachments, or sorry, attachments there's no the she was born on this day in hollywood in 1940 leaving the theater after seeing the epic 1950 film samson and delilah groucho marx stated that he had never before seen a movie where the guy's tits were bigger than the girls (laughs) the man to whom those tits belonged was victor mature (laughs) the bodybuilding beauty who frequently played heroic strongman roles such as samson One Million B.C., Demetrius and the Gladiators, The Egyptian, and The Robe. Plus, he appeared in the films My Darling Clementine and Kiss of Death. His last film was the TV movie remake of Samson and Delilah in a supporting role in 1984, after which he retired until his death in 1999 at the age of 86. He was born on this day in Louisville, Kentucky in 1913. Andrew Keegan first got noticed in the cult classic Camp Nowhere and the blockbuster Independence Day. He was then on the cast of Party of Five and had a recurring role in Seventh Heaven. Later was in Ten Things I Hate About You and the romantic comedy The Broken Hearts Club. More recently, he was in April Rain and episodes of Gridlocked and CSI, and he was born on this day in Los Angeles in 1979. Sarah Gilbert shot to fame when her role as the defiant, sarcastic daughter Darlene on the hit sitcom Roseanne made her one of the show's biggest draws and earned her two Emmy nominations. I think she usually lost to uh, Jackie. Uh, She is actually older than co-star Alicia Gorenson, who plays her older sister Becky, and Gilbert's work on the series continued through high school and college, uh, during which they would uh, film her scenes on the East Coast um, while she was in school there. And then uh, insert them into the into the show. She followed the original series with the films Desert Blue, Light It Up, and High Fidelity. Appeared on the shows Twenty Four and ER. Then later appeared as a recurring guest opposite her Roseanne co-star Johnny Galecki on The Big Bang Theory. In 2010, she became a talk show host on The Talk, for which she has won three Daytime Emmy Awards. In 2018, she helped produce the revival of the Roseanne series, which has now become The Connors and is in its third season. She is the younger sister of Little House on the Prairie star Melissa Gilbert and was born on this day in Santa Monica, California in 1975. And Jillian began her career as a child actress in 1960 when she played Little Bo Peep in the Disney films Babes in Toyland and played Dainty June in the 1962 film version of Gypsy. I keep for- I always forget that's her. I know, me too. Because I only I, know her from the 80s. Yes, that's right. And it's they don't those things just do not match up in my own brain. Yep. She appeared on television on Hazel and an episode of Twilight Zone, then later had her most famous roles on the show It's a Living, the film Mr. Mom. She's really hilarious in that. Mm-hmm. Playing Mae West in a 1982 TV movie and playing a ghost on the series Jennifer Slept Here. I, I forgot that that's what that show was called, but <laughs> I, I remember forget. loving that show when I was a kid. I forgot. 
forgot about that show. Yeah. Oh, she made headlines in 1985 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. I feel like everybody brought it up all the time all with the her time. and and made because she was the first major celebrity to talk about it openly in yeah. public. Yeah, yeah. So good for her because it was just a just boob jokes all the time. Oh, yeah. She became a vocal advocate for cancer research and prevention, including openly talking about her double mastectomy and playing herself in the 1988 made-for-television movie The Angelian Story. I remember it for which she won a Golden Globe. She stopped acting after an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. I wonder why that was the one that did it in. Uh, That was in 2000. And she was born on this day in Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1950. Yeah, I mean, she apparently after It's a Living, she wasn't really all that interested in working much anymore. And then she would just be, I guess, uh, lured into projects with enough money or whatever until eventually she was just done. You know, and I think mainly she focuses on her... uh, charity work now it's a living is on amazon prime only the first three seasons but it really takes me back because i used to love that show when i was a kid and i know marco did too because we've talked about it it's it's a living i'm trying to remember it it was the one where they were waitresses in a restaurant that's at the top of like a skyscraper and it was the 1980s version of a really high class restaurant that looks like a cheap old banquet hall now But I remember at the time thinking it was like the end of elegance. And in my mind still, when people talk about going to fancy places, I still think about that restaurant. I I guess I'm trying to think of what TV show I know her from. So it's probably that or it would be Jennifer Jennifer Slept Here. Here. Yeah, I totally forgot that that's what that show was called. I think it was was Jennifer Slept Here. Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely remembered that show very well. Mm -hmm. Also, when I started watching It's a Living, it was later because she left after three seasons and then Crystal Bernard was the lead on it. And that's when it also went to syndication. And that's the show that I remember. And it would always be on at weird times. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I knew my TV shows like nothing when I was a kid. I watched so much TV. <laughs> you? Yeah. Yeah. Sam Trammell or Trammell, I'm not sure, earned a Tony nomination for Ah Wilderness and appeared off Broadway in Kit Marlowe, Dealer's Choice, and Ancestral Voices. But he's probably best known for his role on television as Sam Merlot on the HBO series True Blood. And according to me, was the sexiest guy on that show, no matter what everyone said about freaking uh, Skarsgård. He also appeared in the films Autumn in New York, Beat, Breakthrough, episodes of This Is Us, Homeland, and The Order. He was born on the stand in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1969. Terry Kinney was inspired to pursue acting after seeing his best friend Gary Sinise in a Chicago production of Grease, after which the two of them and their friend Jeff Perry began their own troupe uh, group, really, Steppenwolf Theater in 1973 in the basement of a church in Highland Park. I have more to say about all this, but I'll keep going. The troupe was a huge success bringing a number of productions to Broadway, including John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath, and Kinney was nominated for a Tony in his performance in that. He made his film debut in Seven Minutes in Heaven in 1985. He appeared on a number of episodes in 30-something, later appeared in The Last of the Mohegans, Devil in a Blue Dress, The House of Myrrh, and um, six, Mirth, rather, and Six Years of Oz as well, episodes of The Mentalist and The Good Wife, and recently he was on Billions, and he will be seen even this year on Inventing Anna. Anyway, he was born on the state in lincoln illinois in 1954 so uh, that production of greece and i I think it is that production of greece um anyway i have lots to say about that but i don't want to take us down to too 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 much of a tangent but uh i uh met somebody at a cast uh, party or an after show party in chicago who had just finished the remount of greece in chicago Mm -hmm. and they met all the original creators of the original production and um and also uh people the all 
they met some of the people that the characters are based on and got the histories of the real characters, oh. uh, which is fascinating. Most of them have ended up dead or in jail. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, they were very rough, rough people, right? Really? Uh, and it was, yeah, and it was the two little nerds that uh, of the high school that wrote Greece uh, kind of as a lark, you know, thinking nobody will have an interest in our crazy rough high school because they were legit gangs. And um, like Rizzo. They're all such good dancers, Amanda. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to leave it because everything they did, these crimes are a little too heinous for uh, for our prime time. But I'll tell you. After. Yeah. We don't want to earn an E rating because, you know, <laughs> poor Marco always has to listen to the show to make sure if I've sworn or not. So you can put a warning on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Amanda, next up, we have the queen of all media and probably the best known person on the planet. And that is Oprah Winfrey was born today. Talk show host, television producer, actress, author, philanthropist. She is best known for her talk show, the Oprah Winfrey show broadcast from Chicago, which was the highest rated television program of its kind in history and ran in national syndication from for 25 years from 1986 to 2011. She was the richest African-American of the 20th century and North America's first black multi-billionaire, and by 2007 was often ranked the most influential woman in the world. Born into poverty to a teenage single mother and raised in inner city Milwaukee, she was a co-anchor for the Evening News by 19 and soon after transferred to daytime talk shows boosting a third-rated local talk show to first place and launching her own production company. Her accolades include 18 Daytime Emmys, a Tony Award, and a Peabody. In 1985, she made her acting debut in the feature film The Color Purple and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, following it with Women of Brewster Place, Beloved, The Princess and the Frog, Lee Daniels' The Butler, and A Wrinkle in Time. She was awarded the Jean Hersholt Humanitarian Oscar in 2012, and in 2015 became the first African-American woman nominated for Best Picture for the film Selma. She was born on this day in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, in 1954. Wow. That's a good tribute. I thought that was... You did a good job with that one, Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Sam Yeager began his professional career in New York while still attending Otterbein College in Ohio, landing a guest-starring role on Law & Order in 1999, continuing to work in theater before moving permanently to Los Angeles, where he appeared in the film's Lucky Number Slevin and Catch and Release in 2010, starred as Joel Graham on the series Parenthood. He followed it with shows like Law and Order, True Crime, Reverie, Why Women Kill, The Politician, and he's currently on The Handmaid's Tale. He was born on this day in Perrysburg, Ohio in 1977. He was so hot on Parenthood, my friend and I would never stop talking about it. I don't know who he is. Who is he on Handmaid's? Uh, I can't remember, but if you look him up, you'll know him. Um, uh, My friend who's on The Handmaid's worked with him and said he is, you couldn't meet a nicer guy. Uh, She raved about him for days. Um, oh, he plays... Which is good because he's kind of aged like a straight guy, so you know he's yeah, not as yeah. he used to be. But uh, I think, yeah, I think he plays um, the like the guy she has to have babies for. I'm pretty sure. Mm. He has tell. a beautifully outsized nose. Like his nose is too big for his face, and it, mm. it makes him more uh-huh. attractive. Hmm. All right, classic movie star Dorothy Malone was attending Southern Methodist University with the intent of becoming a nurse when her performance in her college play caught the eye of an RKO talent scout who offered her a Hollywood contract. Remember those days, Amanda? No. (laughs) She appeared in some minor musicals and bigger films like The Big Sleep before Warner Brothers chose not to renew her contract in 1949, and she returned home to Texas to work in insurance. 
or insurance, as they say it in Texas. During a work convention in New York, she was drawn back to the Broadway stage and television, then began to work in films again, this time as seasoned and dangerous older women in films like Young at Heart, Artists and Models, and Written on the Wind, which features her famous Dance of Death, and for which she won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. One of Hollywood's signature icy blondes, she worked steadily until her last film appearance, a cameo in the 1992 blockbuster Basic Instinct, after which she retired until her death in 2018 at the age of 93. She was born on this day in Chicago in 1924. Adam Lambert has sold over 3 million albums and 5 million singles worldwide, rising to fame in 2009 after finishing as a runner-up on the eighth season of American Idol. He was so phenomenal on it. Later that year, he released his debut album, For Your Entertainment, which debuted at number three on the U.S. Billboard 200. The album spawned several singles, including What Do You Want From Me?, which uh, he received a Grammy nomination for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. His second album, Trespassing, premiered at number one and made him the first openly gay artist to top the album charts. Alongside his solo career, Lambert has collaborated with rock band Queen as lead vocalist for Queen and Lambert. Uh, And that's happened since 2011, including several worldwide tours from 2014 to 2020. He was born on this day in Indianapolis, Indiana in 1980. You a fan of his? Um, no, just because it's a kind of pop music I don't give much of my time to. Um, yeah, anytime I've right. ever heard him or seen him perform, I think the voice is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, untouchable, really. Uh, yeah. But the performance ship and the style of music, it just never feels real to me. It always feels uh, artificial, but yeah. that could just be my age. Mm, I, no, I think there is something to that. I mean, he clearly was raised in a rent world and so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sort of belty rocky belt mixy belt um that is a thing right um and i think that's that's kind of his i mean obviously he's he's hugely talented i think one of the things i really and you know i it's not like i own any of his albums so i can't really say i'm this huge fan of his but um and i'm I'm kind of in the same planet as you as far as that like it's just not music that i'm going to go out and i mean buy an album like it's the 90s or whatever but um he, I remember on Idol, because Marco is very an Idol, mm-hmm. so um, I had to be into Idol, you know, <laughs> to win protections. And yeah, um, spouse day is still happening in some houses, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And uh, anyway, he, um, the thing I did like about him and him on that show was I don't know that it, it was one of those people that I don't think he would have had a career if, unless he had been in like Hamilton or something. I don't right. think he would have had a career otherwise um because he could be there he could be out you know he could come in with this voice and they could say you know what people are connecting with you and liking you and you're talented too um which helps and so i think there's that aspect that i like because he could just come into it being out he didn't have to ever come out uh in the public way you know and and i thought for me that represented some kind of a turning point and i appreciated that well you know what guy branham says that american idol at this point is basically just airlifting gay teenagers in the midwest to safety (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's so great that's exactly what it is i mean and i think he was one of those first ones and he made he just he really used the platform and was like oh my god i get a stage i get to do what i want yeah yeah. and you know and created amazing 
you know, performances and artistry and just did all sorts of things that whatever he wanted to do and lived out his sort of dreams. And yeah. he didn't, he didn't win because ultimately it's young little girls that vote and they always want to vote for somebody that, that they want to dream that they could date. So, yeah. um, for that reason, he didn't win, but it doesn't matter because he's obviously one, of, arguably one of the most successful people to come out of that show. Indeed. Well, taking us a little further back, Amanda, the term the Lubitsch touch is in reference to Ernst Lubitsch, the filmmaker whose most popular films came out in the 30s and 40s, usually graced with a sophisticated wit, unashamed but tasteful eroticism, and dazzling cinematography, his black and white pictures particularly famous for glinting like silver. Originally a successful filmmaker in Germany, he came to Hollywood in the 1920s and eventually became head of Paramount, thrilling audiences with films like The Love Parade, The Smiling Lieutenant, Trouble in Paradise, Design for Living, The Merry Widow, Ninochka, The Shop Around the Corner, Heaven Can Wait, and To Be or Not to Be. A nominee for the Best Director Oscar three times, he received an honorary Oscar in 1947 and died later that same year of a heart attack at the age of 55. His final film, That Lady in Ermine, was released the following year. He was born on the stand in Berlin, Germany in 1892. Well, one of the funniest performers to ever appear on screen, W.C. Fields was an American comedian, actor, juggler, and writer whose comic persona was a misanthropic and hard-drinking egotist who remained a sympathetic character despite his supposed contempt for children and for dogs. His <laughs> career in show business began in vaudeville, becoming a star on Broadway in the show Poppy in 1923 before a series of comedic film shorts thrilled audiences and led to his starring in the hit comedy like with films like The Bank Dick. My Little Chickadee with Mae West and Tales of Manhattan. The man who said, I never drink anything stronger than gin before breakfast, suffered frequent bouts of pneumonia. He eventually died in 1946 of a stomach hemorrhage at the age of 66, asking that the epitaph on his tomb read, on the whole, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder why. He was born on this day in Derby, Pennsylvania in 1880. He's very funny. His movies are still really, really funny. Very, very funny. Um, Yeah. And last but not least, Amanda, William McKinley was born on this day in Niles, Ohio in 1843. He was the 25th president of the United States from 1897 until his assassination in 1901. An assassination we never talk about, unfortunately, I guess. We never talk about it. I guess it's not as good a story. Lincoln and Kennedy, Lincoln and Kennedy. Yep. Well, let's let's hear the story because there's quite a bit here. During his presidency, McKinley led the nation to victory in the Spanish-American War, raised protective tariffs to promote American industry, and kept the nation on the gold standard in a rejection of the expansionary monetary policy of free silver. McKinley was the last president to have served in the American Civil War and the only one to have started the war as an enlisted soldier, beginning as a private in the Union Army and ending as a brevet major. After the war, he settled in Canton, Ohio, where my cousins live, where he practiced law and married Ida Saxton. It was at the Temple of Music on the Exposition Grounds in Buffalo, where the president was to meet the public, that Leon Chogolsh concealed his gun in a handkerchief, and when he reached the head of the line, shot McKinley twice in the abdomen. McKinley urged his aides to break the news gently to Ida and to call the mob off that had set on Chagolsh, a request that may have saved his assassin's life at 2.15 a.m. on the September... Okay. At 2.15 a.m. on September 14th, President McKinley died. Theodore Roosevelt had rushed back to Buffalo and took the oath of office as president. 
Trogolsh, put on trial for murder nine days after McKinley's death, was found guilty, sentenced to death on September 26th, and executed by electric chair on October 29th, 1901. But why did he kill him, I wonder? Like, what was the... I mean, why does anyone kill anyone? But I wonder what the deal was. I don't know. Hmm. Well, for that and more, maybe go to our social media. Maybe Marco will pull Well, because you know what? It is a puzzle to me. Mm-hmm. It is a puzzle to me. That is the puzzle on, to solve today. On this National Puzzle Day. Listen, Bill, as always, what a what a fun time and what a what a trip from from President McKinley to Heather Graham. It's been a <laughs> it's been a trip on January 29th. It certainly has, Amanda, and it's always a pleasure with you. Oh, you say it, and I believe it. There's no one I would rather be at the uh, (laughs) Temple of Music at the Exposition Grounds in Buffalo than you. (laughs) And same. And maybe when all is said and done, we'll take a trip to Buffalo together. But until that time, this was born on this day. See you tomorrow.